Welcome back to Creative Moonlighting. This is episode 48, and we're kicking things off a little bit differently here today. Our guest, Eric Flores, is the singer-songwriter of Fairbanks and the Lonesome Light. I wanted to start by letting you hear a song of theirs called Crow. And Crow was a poem that was originally written by Eric's father, uh, and there's some stories there that we're going to dig into later in the podcast. So enjoy the song and enjoy the podcast afterward. And as always, thanks for joining us. This is episode 48. Denise, who's not here today, she takes she wants to wrangle me to go to the farmer's market often. And I get there and I and usually they have live music, but usually I'm just like kind of cruising through the thing and I don't give a shit. 
And that day you weren't even playing. You were telling a story. You were in between songs telling a story and it stopped me dead in my tracks. And I just sat down and I, and normally what I would do is I would get back up and I would go to like get my taco deli or whatever. (laughs) And I never got up dude for an hour. I sat there and I was like, and then I went and bought your album. And then I asked you, or you gave me a card. That's how I, and then I texted you and I was like, Hey, this is random. You, you texted me later and said, Hey man, there's no stories on this record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the no in between. Yeah. Right. There's no, the, what's the deal. Right. <laughs> well, that actually brings up a first question is, do you prefer live? To studio? To studio? Man, I, I'm I'm a creature of both, I think. I, I It appeals to different parts of me. And because of that, I, I sort of take it as one one big pie, you know? Yeah. That split up into different pieces. Because I, for full, like, satisfaction in the music industry, for me, I would have to do both. Because I love recording. I love going into the studio. It's a whole different... Um, animal mindset why why what's so different because i i mean i'm not like again i'm not a musician so what is it that's so different well it it sort of um sets you up to be very conscious of what you're trying to say and how you're trying to say it and you get a few chances to execute that in the best way that you know how Um, unless you're going in to make a live i mean i guess there's a ton of ways to make records but the way I do them and what I gather most people do is is you have your set of songs, you put them in a certain order, you've got a title of a record. It's a piece of work that you're putting together to put out there that actually when you're done is going to be um, fairly static. Actually, it's going to be completely static. It's not going to change over time. Mm. That's it. That's your statement. You've put it out there. It's done. And That's kind of nice, though. It's a little slice. I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's a little slice of time. And... Um, I think that's great. Whereas performing live, it's completely dynamic. It's not static at all. You could change the set list halfway through. You can tell stories like you just mentioned in between songs. And a lot of times the stories are off the cuff. You know, certainly um, there's a little more danger involved. Your strings could break. You're subject to, to technology. And it's like a moving roller coaster. It's not going to stop for you. Mm. Like time is not going to mm. stop for you no matter what happens. Right. And that's interesting. That puts you in a different mindset as well. So it's, it's basically the static versus the dynamic. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. All right. Let me, and let me also finish setting up. We also have Ashton here who was on our third or second or you've been on a few, he's been on a few of them and Ashton's now in his sophomore year or junior Junior year year. of college. And he, he graduated when it was COVID and he's been a music. So it's kind of cool because in a way, uh, having a, uh, and I didn't plan for it this way, but having a younger musician with somebody who's been at it, this is kind of cool because now I can ask these questions that I'm always curious about and get these perspectives. Right. But I, one uh, w- one of the first, my, my favorite, one of my favorite musicians ever, Jim Croce. Mm-hmm. And, when I'm hearing you tell these stories in between your songs, right. you just had this like ease 
I don't know what, I don't know how else to like describe it. It just, and whether it was true or not, it doesn't matter, but whatever you were, you were just like talking. And I felt like I wasn't the only one I was looking around and people are like stopping and kind of listening to the story. So when you say dynamic versus, um, what, what was the other static static, you, you like them both, but when you play live, do you do that even when you're in your, cause, cause obviously the songs I heard that day were just you. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I hear the album, it's you and, uh, Amelia, Amelia. Yeah. yeah. So, and which, you know, at some point maybe we need to get her going too and get talk about this, but with, with your, with your own voice, it, it was it was an interesting thing. It was just like, whoa, hmm. stop me. So tell me what, what when you when you when you're going into a set, especially by yourself. Does it change like is there something that's changed other than the fact that there's someone not there? Do you do you feel like you have to tell stories in between? Do you do that in your normal sets? Um, and when you say normal sets, you mean with the band, with the band, yeah. Well, with the band and with Amelia, I, I never did much storytelling in between. There's always banter. I mean, I guess there are a few bands that really don't have banter in between songs, but most bands do to some degree or another. Um, and I think that most of us try to avoid the, hey, Austin, how you doing? Yeah, you know, yeah. Just steer clear of that. No offense to it's anyone. It's kind of cheese, you know. <laughs> we all know. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an audience yeah, member. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and so, you know, when people are phoning it in, you know. And, um, you know, Towns Van Zandt used to tell jokes in between his his songs. And, I like his know, stuff. It's, yeah. So everyone has a different way of navigating the what would otherwise be the dead space mm-hmm. between songs. Um, and... I didn't feel I had to start telling stories. I felt I had the opportunity to. And it started out probably in a much more mild way than maybe what you've seen. I've definitely extended the stories and playing as much as I do now, which is pretty often three to, you know, four to five times a week sometimes. Um, I get to really kind of zero in on what I'm trying to say and how I'm trying to say it. So these stories develop you know, the songs don't because the songs are the songs. But what I do get to work on and what I've started to find super interesting is the story part. Yeah. Because I can refine these stories and I can kind of figure out what's Watch working. Watch how people respond not. to yeah, them also. Exactly. And, and keep a sort of fresh value to them by, by adding things when they come to mind. And, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I guess what you saw is the result of that thus far yeah Yeah. so as an outsider so y'all are talking about these stories which sounds really like cool and neat uh what are they usually about are they like real life experiences or just kind of more like uh narrative like made up stories that you've heard from Uh, no they're they're it seemed personal to me they're they're, yeah they're personal They, they generally i mean Without going too much into making them sound like I, they're premeditated, mm-hmm. they they relate to the songs. Okay, that are you just kind out. of like segues into yeah. they, into the song. You found okay. a way to transition into the song, and you have some references. Right. Again, it's a library of shit. Try, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tunes, um, 
and a lot of stories, but I, I, I do my best not to, um, not to do the, the perfect segue, you know, like, what do you mean? What, uh, I don't know. What does that, that mean? That, even just talking about the fact that I tell stories is now going to make me self-conscious next gig. That Dude, I'm, like, I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry. Hey, I liked no, it. No, no, it's not that. <laughs> it's interesting because I'm, I'm digging my, I'm digging into my own, you know, psyche about it. But, um, I feel like the perfect segue thing is kind mm -hmm. of also a little bit on the, you just kind of want to be in the more same field. Genuine. It's like, Hey Austin, how you doing? Oh yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, like kiss there's, they, they have a few live <laughs> albums out and they have, they have a song called uh, cold gin. And, you know, it's just that, you know, some uh, people like tequila and yeah. some people like, you know, wine. <laughs> What do we like? Culture. You know, yeah. just, I'm trying to avoid that because that's a perfect segue, right? Yeah. So uh, um, generally the songs that I write inevitably end up being about the human condition. Whatever it is that I think I start writing about, they end up being that. So that opens up a huge playing field for storytelling or relatable incidents or the way I truly feel about certain things. Yeah. So it's pretty easy. I'll just tap into that right. and start putting stories together or finding things that have happened in my life that relate to that. Because if you're writing from that, if you're pulling from that source, you don't have to try too hard to be like, well, here's where that came from. Mm -hmm. Here's a story that relates to that or here's something that makes me think of that. So it pretty much starts with that little spark and then I refine my storytelling by telling the story over and over again from that spark. Figure Have out you what noticed works, any different like shapes? Like the story, does the story ever like bend a little one oh, yeah. way? Yeah. yeah. That's bend. just what storytellers yeah. do. It bends a lot. Yeah. 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 There's a spark of truth <laughs> in all of them. It's a, it started somewhere. It's a split. It's yeah. just a spark. But, um, so, and I <laughs> but guess that's the fun part too, no, right? of course. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that, I mean, hell that that's what filmmaking is, is you're, you're sitting there trying to, you're, you found out of bounds and now you're trying to touch out of bounds and bring the people that are in reality and the people that want to escape together somewhere in that, yeah. you know, area. And I feel like, yeah, that, that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty much what musicians seem to do too. I Although think the, the source is the most important. Part. Yeah. If yeah. You get, if you've got a, 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 the spark of truth, where you go from there is, is generally unimportant provided you've got a certain level of, uh, authenticity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your heart's in it. You're really trying to tell somebody something. And if the message is clear and true, how you dress it is how you, know, you yeah you know, could no, change, could that change was, from one day to the other. That was always how I feel like my granddad was never really telling me a story that was true. He was always just telling me what he believed to be true about life. Right. He would be packaging it in some little right. thing, and yeah. that would just be his lesson. That mm -hmm. really didn't matter what it was. It was the, it was the concept of what he was trying to right. get across, and I. So, but it does seem like for you personally. I've listened to the words. I've actually read some of the words to your songs. It's not, the words don't mean nothing. So that's true. it seems like, and, and, and I don't, I don't know. I'm always curious what comes first, the words of the music. 
And this has got to be different for every musician. It, but. Is, it is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's yeah. different for every, for every musician. Um, I mean, it's always one or the other, but I, I suppose it could be at the same time. I guess for the most part, it's the music. So it starts with a rhythm or something? It starts generally with a melody. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I'm not one of those prolific writers that, um, I mean, although I do it for a living, I don't wake up like, say, someone like John Hyatt who said he wakes up and has a coffee and clocks in at 10 o'clock and goes and sits and starts writing. Uh, lyrics? Music. Songs. Oh, music. Okay. Just hits it. And uh, he finds, according to him, that that's the way he gets his best stuff. He just has to write all the time. Whereas someone like Keith Richards has said, I pick up the guitar and inside of two minutes, if I don't feel it, I put it back down and I go do something else. So it wow. just, there's, that's insane, there's so many different ways to do it. I, I, I lean a little bit more towards that way because the Keith Richards version yeah it's hard for me to write when I'm not inspired yeah I I was kind of it's had tough. the mentality it's it's hard for me to force yeah. creativity right and so. I, I think that's the difference between maybe what I would call a song crafter and and a songwriter not to say one's better or mm. different than the other that's but pe- people who craft songs like that used to work in the you know in the writers buildings and and mm-hmm. would just write songs for people they're crafting they're just good at their craft they could like build you a house you know just like, mm-hmm. boom, boom 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 done and it's generally amazing and they're songwriters who if they don't have anything to say they're not going to be able to say it you know they can't just conjure something up it's yeah. like you have to wait till you have something to say and sometimes that could take a while <laughs> you know? well and also take some living Right. Mm-hmm. Which I, so I didn't, I don't think I asked you earlier. If I did, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, how, how old are you? And I feel fine asking you. I'm about to be 50. Are you really? And okay. Uh, I was born in 1980, so I'm yeah. 42. Yeah. I also know, and, and we don't have to delve into this. This doesn't have to be a whole long segue, but I, I mean, I also read that you quit drinking. I, I've been on and off the wagon my whole life. So yeah. But yeah, I, I quit drinking a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. for longer and longer stretches as I get older. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I always try to dip my toe back in the pool to see what's going on over there, and I generally find that I'm not missing much. Yeah, yeah, dude. That, but it's just I'm cut from the kind of cloth that if I'm curious, I got to check it out. Yeah, and time will go by longer and longer stretches. I'll be like, hey, I wonder. I wonder if I. Well, there was a quote actually. I would go that you may not. I don't know if you you probably you may not remember saying it, but it was in an article that I read, and it was just sort of. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember it exactly. But you basically were like, "There's the part of you that uh, wants to be freewheeling and have fun and be free, that kind of grabs hold when you're drinking, and then there's the other side, which is." And I don't remember exactly how you put it, but it's just basically more responsible. <laughs> and it, you feel like there's this tug of war between these two things constantly. And I, and I, trust me, I feel this too. For me personally, yeah. I don't know if that's the human condition necessarily, but yeah. me, that's definitely on a personal level. Yeah, I feel that pull all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's the, you know, there's a certain, um, I guess freedom is a good word that, that comes with that, uh, idea let it fly caution to the wind yeah yeah yeah. 
That's what, that's actually the phrase you use, caution the wind. Let yeah. it land, you know, let it land where it may. And uh, that's not always the healthiest way. And if you start collecting people around you that count on you for stuff, it starts becoming a little bit more of a ethical and moral imperative not to be so solipsistic and, and kind of be like, well, I might have to, you know, feel a little bit less of that and yeah. kind of give some of my life to people I love. But your dad now, so. What's that? Yeah. Your dad. Yeah, so. that's, that, that is the, the mm -hmm. most stark illustration of that particular sentiment. Yeah. I got two kids. And how old are you? How old's your oldest? Uh, seven. Okay. So you've been at it seven years. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one's three. Um, and it's not to the, it, and I'm grateful for it. It's not the, I resent them for clipping my wings. No. Yes. Well, some people I'm sure do feel that. Oh, way. wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I mean, uh, I'm not a parent, so I'm not, right. I don't know, but I, I, yeah. I'm sure there's the whole I would like to think I wouldn't be that, but yeah, yeah. you never know. <laughs> there's the whole spectrum of, 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 of parenthood. Um, I definitely fall in the spectrum of I, I'd give everything for them willingly mm. and with no resentment. But there's an equation there that I feel is important, even if you are that kind of person. And that's in order to be the best parent, you've got to take care of yourself as well. It's kind of the whole thing about the plane crashing and put your oxygen mask on first. Right, right. And then take care of the kid. Right. Because if you're not taking care if you're not taking care of yourself, and that includes your wants and needs and, and dreams and things that make you the best version of yourself that you can be, you're not in any position to take care of anybody else. And if there's anything that's going to make you resentful, it's going to be giving yourself to somebody else completely and entirely. And at some point, you're just going to wear out and you're not going to have any more to give. Right. You know, so. And, and, and again, I, I only ask this because I know artists have this sort of there's a there's a a blurred line somewhere in there with artists that drinking and drugs are good or bad, or usually it ends up being bad, but right. somewhere in there, it, it ha, like, has, like, has drinking affected your music in a good way too, or? Well, it's responsible for all the songs you've ever heard. I actually listened to lyrics, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> a, a good part, a good part of them, not all of them, but yeah, it, it's, yeah. Uh, responsible for the words anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this this was apparently the long answer to the question of its melody or lyrics first. Yeah, <laughs> it's, the longest, no, no. it's the longest answer ever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and it's funny that we started focusing on words after I said its melody first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll circle back to that. So, sure, man. There's the whole. I mean, there's a whole romanticization of like live fast. You know, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And, Kurt Cobain, who and whoever I'm dating myself, throw some more current examples. So, so, in so more, uh, <laughs> no, I don't, no, you're, you know, you're, like you're, uh, you're, Mozart, you know, yeah. people from my time, Beethoven. <laughs> no, Morrison comes right up, man. But I've actually like, gone through serious rabbit holes of listening to Morrison do yeah, interviews, man. and there's something there, man. There and, is and for for some yeah, people. For, for a guy that was not even tw he was 27 yeah. or or less yeah. when I heard him talk, it was like he. It, it, 
certainly well beyond his years. Yeah, you know, he was tapping into something. I mean, a lot of people think he's a buffoon, and he certainly had the capability of acting yeah. like a buffoon. Yeah. As and anybody who's drinking all the time sure. does. <laughs> and, some, you know, some people consider his poetry kind of sophomoric. And it kind of is. And it kind of so, is. Whatever the case may be, you know, content aside, there was something there that was like, yeah. and, and he kind of stood for that freedom, I think we were talking about, about just like, screw it, let it, you know, I'm going to just go all the way. Yeah. And, and I think... To some degree, there's. It's not just a coincidence that most musicians are cut from some form of that cloth. I mean, it can't be a coincidence that right. a ton of musicians and artists drink a lot or do a lot of drugs, um, at least at some point in their career. Um, and why that is, I have no idea. But I, I, I speculate that it's probably a sensitivity level that you have to the world around you. And sometimes trying to fill certain holes or a certain chasm that maybe is the distance between you and the world that we live in that maybe had you had it your way, it wouldn't maybe be the way it is. Yeah. Because the world is run by um, economics and um, especially our logic. World. And, 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 you know, we've we've done all our fair share in creating this particular world where you need money, you know, and you got to get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the majority of people are not artists. Mm -hmm. Certainly none of the people with the wherewithal to decide they want to run the show are not artists. So it ends up being a world run by non-artists. So who's going to mm -hmm. feel out of place the most? Likely the minority, which are the artists. Um, and particularly in the States where they're, you know, maybe um, not held in as high regard as they are in other places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all that affects you psychologically, I think. And if you and if you're just born with the sensitivity of um, a poet or a writer, or whatever it is you are, and you're born into a world that doesn't necessarily cater to um, satisfying those callings in you, then you're going to be a little bit like, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. It can be a tough road. Um, I'm not saying necessarily, and it, it, I might be. That it's that way for me or it isn't um, because I don't want to sound like I'm crying about it or anything. I'm, right, I'm, right. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the world we live in to some degree. Um, um, you know, adjusted enough to have a family and, and enjoy them and, and not be tearing myself to shreds. But there is that little bit of me that relates to that disconnect, the artist's disconnect, and I think that's part of the reason why um, artists tend to do what they do regarding um, drugs and alcohol. Yeah, they're they're pushing the out of bounds, right? Yeah. It's it's just trying to see if there's something better over there, right? And 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 at the same time, though, what's funny to me is the ones that seem to end up having longevity, which mm -hmm. I want to talk about that, right? Um, the ones that have longevity end up circling back and I'll, it seems like, a, I, I mean, I'm, you know, doing my Google search mm -hmm. artists that don't drink anymore right. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that have just said, Hey, enough, man. To I took it as far as I could take it. That's, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Right. But they, and they seem to have long careers. I'm not saying that everything they do in their latter years are as mm -hmm. good as what they did when they were freewheeling. Right. But it, Gave them the opportunity to go longer. 
And to live longer. Live longer, for sure. (laughs) At the end of the day, you really kind of um, start figuring out how important your identity is. Um, cause your identity is fabricated. You make that up like you, and you get attached to it. I feel like people get attached to their identity. Your brand. It's well, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm yeah, an, I hate I'm an engineer. Word. <laughs> like, okay. Like people usually lead with, it's funny, like in social situations, people lead with, what do you do? You know, it's like, yeah. well, wait, did you say you're an engineer? I'm an engineer. No, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm wow. an engineer. I didn't know that. People say these things and that's like this label they become tied. Yeah. I'm a teacher. Yeah. I'm a professor. I'm a musician. I'm a artist. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you're tied to that. And anything that threatens that, you start, you know, like, like no, no, you're pushing back. It's like, I don't want anything to threaten yeah, that because yeah. that's who I am. But man, I mean, what a drag thing, because what if one day you can't be that anymore? What is is your life over at that point? It shouldn't be. I mean, so I do my best not to tie myself too hard to anything, those sorts of identities, while maintaining the honor um, and respect that I want for that particular um, identity, I guess, that I've chosen. Like, I, I do, I am a musician, you know. And yeah. I'm glad that I do it for a living. Well, for sure, you're and, a musician. And, I, and it I seems like you're a storyteller, really. I want to keep doing it. And I just don't want to be tied to it in such a way that I would just want to stop living if for some reason I, I couldn't play music anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to have a little bit of a kind of a yeah. loose grip. You got to be a little you know? bit of a utility player in the sense yeah, that like, right. I could change if I had to, but right. this is what I've chosen to do. Right. Or if I, you know, if I hit my head and suddenly just don't. Don't remember anything. play music anymore. Yeah. Now, yeah. man, we, I, my wife and I were in, this is the reason why we've been able to be married 20 years. We had to do a lot of therapy. And one of the therapy sessions was, what is it? what is identity and how do you associate with it? Or like, how do you deal with it? Especially if you're a pair and, uh, and our, our therapist shout out Craig Bickerton, <laughs> but he <laughs> was like, he, he goes, look, you know, you're healthy whenever you're like a little kid. And yeah, he said, he's like, I asked my niece recently, uh, who are you? And he was doing it as an exercise in the sense of like, if you ask, who are you? Oh, I'm a musician. Who are you? Who oh, I'm this, I'm that, you know? And he asked her and she goes, well, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. And he said, that was the healthiest answer that he could think of. If you can ever get to a point where you just go, well, I'm just me. Right. I don't know how else to describe it. Then you're in a good spot, you know? And I think that's, I think that seems true. You know, I think so too. Flexible and, and, um, no strong attachment. I mean, we can we can zoom out further and get into like Buddhist philosophy that I really dig <laughs> about attachment in general, and it's you you shouldn't you know hold on loosely, but don't let go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was gonna finish that for <laughs> you. Who thought, who thought thirty eight <laughs> special were so wise, yeah. so good? Uh, but really though, man, I mean, almost. I mean, that's you know those philosophies say that all suffering comes from attachment, because um, you gotta. Because you overinvest in something. Well, just the nature of every single thing you know, the nature of it is change. And it's, you know, you're born to rise and doomed to fall. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Everything, you know, uh, is born 
you know, to die at the risk of sounding like totally. No, <laughs> no, no, this I is mean, good. I think it's a beautiful thing because without it, we'd be um, vampires, I guess. But uh, but also we wouldn't have the respect for for a lot of things. Yeah, because if, if you if, know that there's a an end to this, a finite amount of time. Yeah, so, you know, and it's all pretty trite stuff. I mean, we're touching on on ground, that, but I think it's trite because people have heard it so many times that they really don't dig into the meat of it anymore. You just kind of hear people say that, like seize the day and all this stuff, and it just kind of yeah, it's skim, a t-shirt. It it's a it's a t-shirt. Over. Yeah, but you're really thinking about it if you if you try to you know, realize how many things you're attached to that bring you suffering because you don't want them to change. It's a ton of stuff. It's almost everything, not I, just our identity, just everything. It's like, I don't, when you find something you like, you don't want it to change and you don't want it to change so badly that you just start freaking out about it. And like, just, I guess we're pleasure seekers at the end of the day, but it's probably a good idea to try not to be, you know? Well, and this is going to be way tangent, but like, I, I think about that more all tangent the, than I, we've already yeah. <laughs> how much more tangent can we no I, I, I think about that shit all the time like I look at my dog sometimes and I'm like do, do you do you worry about any of the sh like anything that I'm thinking about <laughs> right. like right. Or, or are you just you you know and, yeah, yeah. and it's always this like well, if I don't do this today, then I'm not going to be on the path to doing where, where be on the right set on the right path where I want to be right and Sometimes it's great to just sit and have a conversation. That's why I kind of like this whole podcasting right. thing where it's like, hey, we can just kind of, I'm still technically doing right. something productive I'll put out in the universe, right. but I can have a conversation that can go anywhere. Right. And, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if humans, if it's exclusive to humans, if it is, then damn us. But, right, but, right. but, you know, it's one of those things where, and, and, and again, you know, it's sitting as much tangent as we've gone. Like when you think about your, and I wrote down a whole bunch of questions, which is just a chicken scratch of stuff. But <laughs> like, when you think about the idea of words versus music or whatever, um, and you said having something to say, and I do want to touch on this cause you did just tell me your age how much of it, like, when did you start playing music and what was your perception of it then? Mm, I probably started before I had a tangible perception about it. I was pretty young. My dad plays music. Um, and all his, you know, he was in bands when he was younger. And you're from, you're was, from Austin. I you. was born in Laredo. Oh, you're born in Laredo. Yeah. yeah. And we all moved to Austin when I was super young. So was he a musician in Austin then too? Yeah, he he was um, going to UT and he was a musician, poet, writer, ended up being um, a college professor and okay. he's retired now. Did he teach at UT? No, he taught at ACC. Oh, okay. And, um, but he's, you know, he's always been creative and a writer and a musician. So I was introduced early on. Um, so it's sort of like you can't really describe your perception of something that's around you all the time. Like what's a fish's perception of water? Like, <laughs> Good point. It's just yeah. there. And so yeah. it, it, um, it, it was just there. Yeah. I started getting more perceptions of it as I evolved and, and, and started to have my own tastes in music. Mm -hmm. Like I dug certain bands a lot and then I wanted to emulate them. And then I wanted to be, you know, what was your favorite band early on? Oh uh, man, the Beatles. Okay. 
that's you're not a it's not a poppy thing that you do they kind of had a poppy i love their music yeah they're fantastic um the beatles were the first yeah yeah and i think i was on a big led zeppelin streak for a long time okay and uh just i i was lucky enough to have a bunch of my dad's friends turn me on to all kinds of music real early on yeah i can still remember my first like five or six records that i owned that were my own yeah lp like vinyl and it was um uh sergeant peppers was one of them which was yeah i love that Um, album uh seals and crofts was another one and uh carlos santana was another one santana amigos Frank Zappa, one size oh, fits yeah. all. Oh yeah! Don't eat that yellow uh, snow, man. <laughs> Devo's uh, Q and A record, um, the soundtrack to Close Encounters. Oh god, the third kind. <laughs> now you are dating yourself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, for real. And um, a couple of others that were thrown in there, but um, just why? Just different stuff from from different angles. So it came yeah. at you from it was. Yeah. yeah, and none of those are what I do now. None yeah, no, 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 for no, sure, for sure, there, there none of that. country records. Because, like I said, the first thing that I thought of, and 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 I was kind of, you know, I'm I'm such a, I get obsessive about some things, but I've, I, my dad used to play Jim Croce, and mm-hmm. and I would just listen to it, and it was just so simple, and I I wouldn't really think that much of it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't think about it at all. It was just there. And then as I got older, I realized this fucking guy has something to say. Right. And he did all that in apparently about 18 months and then passed away. Yeah. And so, you know, and it was so simple. So, and and now I'm jumping all over, but there was something you said to me, and I don't want to skip over this. You said to me the day that I met you, Mm -hmm. uh, something about hiding behind the music and that you didn't want to do that. Like, cause I, I was, I think I was commenting on you, um, just being a guy with a guitar and mm-hmm. a story. Can you elaborate on what, what that, what you meant by that? Like you're, I was like, yeah, I love the, this. And you go, well, yeah, sometimes it's easy to hide behind the music. I think I've probably started figuring that out. Um, when I started doing a ton of solo shows. Okay. And it was giving me the chance to see which songs could stand on their own. You know, which songs had legs and which didn't. And there were some that didn't. Oh. There were some that I I stopped playing without the you know, without the banks. It just was like, you know, there's not there's not enough substance here. Yeah. I need to, to shelve that for now and maybe go back and, and I have a number of songs that I've taken off of my solo set list and put in this little pile where it's like I'm I need to go back and figure out why these songs don't work. Mm-hmm. for me because now they're naked yeah and i i suppose the idea of hiding behind the music is you could you could take a song that's not very good on its own and dress it up stellarly and make it's it all sound these other, like production elements yeah man throw yeah. some pedal steel on it put a put a good groove behind it and then put some two three part harmony and uh and that, and, and there's nothing wrong with that either. That that becomes its own thing. That's its yeah, own. Yeah, but it kind of becomes that, a Marvel movie. You well, know, I mean that. And that's kind of how films are too. To a degree, I see, I see what you mean by that. It, it has the potential to become a Marvel movie, but it can also become a Quentin Tarantino movie or something. Right. It's just right. how you dress it. Um, not to say that Quentin Tarantino doesn't have any substance. No, he. Uh, yeah. I, I just mean to say that that's not the compa- the comparison I was trying to make. 
All I'm saying is that song and music arranging has just as much value mm -hmm. as um, writing a good uh, song that can stand on its own. Because mm -hmm. there are yeah. probably several um, songs by bands that are great that probably wouldn't do very well as an acoustic song. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're not good songs, I guess, but there's maybe a difference between arranging yeah. um, and writing a song that can stand on its own. Yeah. And these days I'm interested in writing songs that can stand on their own. And that's all, really. Well, all right. So this is actually maybe the crux of of the whole conversation. I mean, we we've gone we can go on any tangent we want, but I, when you say writing a good song and something that can has have substance and stand on its own, my my immediate thought is, well, then he's saying something in the words. But that I know that's not as simple as that. So can it's you certainly talk? a big part of it? Yeah. Okay, it is. Okay, yeah. But we'll get. Look, so let's circle back to the 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 question that that we answered with all those words <laughs> uh, melody or, or lyrics and it's funny that right after that i said you have to have something to say mm -hmm. but i also said melody first so that's implying that having something to say doesn't necessarily mean with words mm -hmm. just having something to say something right. to express and for me for generally it is the melody that comes first and i'll just hear it and, and it'll have a rhythm to it and it's funny because most of the time, the way I write the words that mean so much to me is I just start doing kind of phonetic stuff to the melody. Like, just like I, I won't even nonsense words, nonsense words. Yeah. Just like, because phonetically, some words fit better than others. Mm -hmm. and, and so you just kind of like say whatever. But almost invariably, upon retrospect, I look at those and I hear those nonsense words in my phone. I record them into my phone or something. And I go, oh, I'm, there's something there. Mm. Like the few words that I do throw in that are, that are like intelligible come out. And I'm like, yeah. so that something in me, and this is what I believe, um, through that stream of consciousness, your subconscious was saying something. Saying something. And it's just up to you to decide what it was trying to say. Wow. Or yeah. it, up to me, because I'm generalizing this. That's my process. And I'll look back and I'll hear those nonsense words and be like, oh, wow, I'm talking. That's what I was and, into. And it, and it becomes subject relevant. And even when I try to change the subject from those phonetic words, it doesn't work as well as when I not only stick to the subject, but find a way to marry it to those phonetics. It's like you caught yourself bullshitting. You're like, no, nah, I can't bullshit my way through this. There was something to what I was saying. Exactly. There. <laughs> like, oh man, I'd really like to make it about something else. But no, it's it it not only has to be what those few words suggested as subject matter, but it also has to land phonetically. So then the toil becomes how do I gather up a bunch of words that phonetically fit, rhythmically? Um while sustaining that meaning that I've been I apparently touched on yeah, without cutting it. the heart out of it. Yeah, I love it when it's that, interesting that way. That it's so interesting to, to hear that you also experience that because when I'm sometimes I'm recording, I have like a just a chord progression, I'll be singing over it, and sometimes I'll just put placeholder words in just just to uh, just to get the melody out, and but whenever. But like, yeah, like you're saying, when your stream of consciousness just kind of comes out, he's like, oh, that's nice. I don't have to do anything like right. that. 
it, there's something there. Yeah, that, it's, it's revealing yeah. something that you that you weren't cognizant of it's necessarily. Awesome. You know, that's mm-hmm. always you know. that's another thing too. Is like, and this is another tangent, but um, you know, when you talk about people who sort of suffer from mental illness and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it is because they weren't listening to their subconscious. And that is something about artists that I notice. Sometimes they can run into problems, obviously. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, you know, heady people and you run into some tr- trouble. But for the most part, you're getting it out. You're right. usually funneling it into mm-hmm. something, you know, whether it's painting, music, movies, whatever. Right. You're, 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 you're paying attention to that inner voice. Mm-hmm. And I'll, and I think that that's such a valuable piece, you know, um, and I, in, in, in a way, like when we started this podcast, it was, it, you know, at that time I was really, actually, I'm still a creative moonlighter. Like I don't, I don't do exactly what I want to do all the time for a living, but we were talking about this earlier where I was like, oh, well, I saw the cover band that didn't have anything to say. And you're like, well, it's not necessarily that. It's that they had to make some money, you know, and so I, you know, that's kind of how that's what this podcast was born of was sort of talking about the idea that we, you know, if you're one of those artists that has to work a day job, you know, what's that like when you're mm-hmm. doing it under the moonlight or on the weekends, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm a little more fortunate now because I'm, I'm able to, you know, make my set my own schedule and and I'm doing it sort of full time, but I'm not doing exactly what I want yeah. to do. You know, you got to reconcile those ideas. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, um, I don't know if I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. Is call, there, I, are I, we I, ever going to do it? I, <laughs> and that's a good question. Who knows? But realistically, we can certainly imagine something closer to the bullseye than further away. Yeah. Um, and perhaps I would, rather be and i don't like to think about things in these terms but um it's avoiding an elephant if you don't i i would rather be playing like um theaters across the country and and and, uh, have a room full of people that came just to hear me and only the songs i've written Mm. that would be ideal yeah and bridging that gap is my work and it's something that uh I'm not going to stop doing. Yeah. At the moment, you know, since I started doing these solo gigs, it it was out of necessity because I needed income. Um, but I also found a way to do it where I'm doing, you know, anywhere between 50 to 100% original material. Um, that, dude, that to and, me, that alone, like... Just the idea that, and that, that was, again, what, what drew me to the whole thing in the first place was just, this dude's playing his own stuff and he's telling stories in between. Like, I, in my mind, I was like, that's the whole thing. Because we've debated this before where it's like, if you show up to a gig and you have to play a cover, I'm not saying, look, I love covers. Sometimes I go to gigs and I'm like, or watch shows and I'm like, yeah. God, I wish they would just play the song. Mm-hmm. But it's to me that's so cool that you could just sit and go i'm playing 50 percent or more of my own shit you right. know yeah and so i mean getting back to the idea that we do what we have to do while we have to do it um there's concessions to be made you know mm-hmm. particularly in in the world that we're a part of and that's you need to um 
feed yourself <laughs> and your family if you have one. And you you know, buy stuff. You just gotta buy stuff. <laughs> and so usually you gotta sell stuff to buy stuff, you know? And I'm beyond thrilled to be able to do it singing and playing music. And I'm beyond thrilled that at least half or more of it is my music. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, I'd say you're winning. It wasn't, yeah. all, you know, it wasn't always that way. And um, there was a time when I played 100% my original material. Um, but I had to have a day job. And mm-hmm. I was in service industry forever, for forever. And that's because I had made a decision early on and um, didn't, and we talked about this off mic, but I didn't give myself room to grow. I had an idea, I had a misguided idea about uh, making too many concessions regarding your art. And I didn't want to do it for a living um, at any cost because I figured I would be starting to make concessions about it. Be like, oh shit, I got to pay the bills with my original music. Is this next album going to be poppy enough? Are enough people going to buy it? Um, You know, should I listen to this producer who's telling me that, you know, if you want to sell more records, you're going to have to do this, this, and this. And all those things start coming into play because you're paying rent with your art. Um, and that's when you're, that's when you're in the the wrong metric. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had the early idea on that. I was like, I'd rather pay bills bartending or waiting tables and not have to worry about making any concessions with my art uh, and just let it, letting it be what it is. And ultimately, if I end up making money at it, it'll be on its own merit, mm-hmm. like as I want it to stand, you know. So I did that for a long time. And then uh, when I started doing the solo shows, um, you know, post-COVID or during COVID, because I wasn't going to be in service anymore, you know, I was like, mm. I'm not... I, no, nope. I had kids. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. And that was one of the first industries. It's like, well, nobody's going out to eat anymore or drink. <laughs> so I started playing all the time. Then I was like, you know, I feel a hundred percent better doing this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and luckily I, I'm in a state where, and, and I play my particular genre is of the sort that I can go out there and play and, um, in this state, people generally like it, you know, Americana, countryish music. <laughs> yeah. So I'm lucky enough to be able to go out and play my originals. And um, I guess they're good enough to where people like them. Um, and I can mix them in with, like, if I play a longer gig, I can mix them in with some uh, other songwriters that I respect and use, co- like, if I play any cover material, it's it's music that sings to me. And luckily for me, the music that speaks to me happens to be um, music that a lot of people like in this also. state. Yeah. 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 Like I can do some like deep cut tunes from like, you know, Towns Van Zandt or something. And, and you know, some Texas writers, Guy Clark that I love, uh, yeah. you know, that I just I love, love Guy Clark. Yeah. that I'd probably play on my John own. Prine, John Prine, you mentioned. Dude, I, I love John so, Prine. you know, without doing their like <laughs> mega hits, if they ever had any, you, I can do some deeper cuts and there's always people in the audience are like oh man i never hear that song that's amazing here's 20 bucks for playing that song. right you know, right, like, hey, well, right. Like, just for that one song just, right just, wow like, well okay, and a lot cool. of times this goes kind of ties all the things because the people in the audience a lot of times are drinking too and they're right. feeling a little free right and they're like dude you just played you just made my night 
infinitely right. better. Here's 20 bucks, you yeah. know, but a lot of times it is. So that word Americana, I was actually trying to like, I'm, you know, there, there was something a little bizarre about that to mm-hmm. me and I've heard it a million times, but right. I was like, what does that really mean to you? What does that mean? Um, well, aside from speaking to the idea that for some reason we feel like we need to pigeonhole everything and give it a label, Americana is it's it's a hot word, man. It's people are people are loving that word here in the last five years or so, maybe longer. Um, and some people are sick of hearing it. You say Americana, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But it's essentially, in my opinion, it's like. It's a little more folk than country, okay, but a little more country than rock. Dude, so that's a great it's like. You know what? It's, it's funny if I in put there, that in Spotify, you know, that's what's yeah. going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to land in my Croce era. It's, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, it's somewhere in there. It's it's got some rock and roll, uh, you know, value to it. Yeah, um, I like it because it's a pretty broad spectrum. Yeah. I feel like these days you can you can do more with it. You can, you know, if you look. You know, if you Google Americana, the, the the broad spectrum of bands that show up, it's anything from like rock bands to like straight folk like, music. You like know. Credence to, you know, yeah. You, could, yeah. you know, and, and even modern stuff, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of Americana music out there. Yeah. Like I think one of the biggest ones, like Big Thief. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I think they their, their um, record this year was voted like, top 10 and so many lists that's pretty much americana music yeah you know? and like you said so is jim croce so right it's, it's right that's a pretty big and that's a pretty big yeah that's massive but uh there was another yeah. phrase that also came which i didn't know and i'm gonna bring it up anyways i don't give a shit but it was i just didn't understand it, it was uh modern dime western that what sounds, does that even mean? That sounds like somebody else made that up. Someone made that up. On what, but on, I saw it in multiple spots. Was it on a review for yes, one of our records? Yes. I, I don't know. I think okay. they're just being poetic and yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. I was like, are they just like, I, like writers are good sometimes. Yeah, I think they're, but, they're, expecting, <laughs> they're expecting us to know what it means. It's, okay. It sounds like. I was like, because I remember watching the movie HUD, which, you know, right. I'm an old movie fan. Mm-hmm. And I remember him like, thumbing through these old Western novels. Right. And I asked my mom, my mom was like, well, it was actually kind of like a, she goes, they were novels that sort of had the same thing over and over. And I was like, so is this knucklehead saying something? I think the writer actually meant a compliment. It wasn't disparaging. It wasn't, no. But I I was like, they don't even know what they're saying, maybe, you know? Could be. But they're relating it to stories. Yeah. And, and maybe vignettes or little piece, little, you know. <laughs> like what, what what attracted me to it in the beginning. Stories, yeah, right? yeah. That's, I guess that's a way to, but you wouldn't have described it that way, right? I wouldn't have used those words, but I suppose <laughs> they are little stories, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, though. I just, I don't, I didn't think anything was predictable about what you were doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I right. felt like. I'm going to sit here for an hour because I don't know what you're about to do. That yeah. was the whole reason I sat there for an hour was right. like, I, I, he's telling stories. I, I'm waiting for the next one. And he'd sing a song. And then and relating do to what that writer was reviewing, it was likely one of our records. Um, I'm pretty sure they're not predictable because that's actually something that was 
um, criticized as maybe a fault of some of our records. You don't have a brand. <laughs> it's it's a little like sometimes you could put one song on and it's pretty straightforward country, and then you put something else on it and it's pretty indie folk kind of like yeah experimental and uh almost an identity crisis some people had had said to me at some time yeah um but that's from people that think it needs to be like one message one clear message one style and that's probably good advice if you're trying to to cut to the chase and and get to some ill-defined measure of success you know uh, all right. Well, then you said the word measure. You used the word metric earlier yeah. before we were on mic. What, what, let's get into that. As far as, I, I, actually, I think in the context, y- you were using the word efficiency and metric. So yeah. like you're like efficiency, you had a thing on that. Yeah. I mean, it probably relates to as far as what we're talking about now and the advice that maybe I was given in that particular circumstance narrow your message down to it's how trump got elected right like yeah (laughs) just narrow that damn thing down (laughs) get your bullet points like find your bullet points find the common thread and hyper focus on that and make it efficient and lean and mean yeah and and cut to the chase yeah there's lots of phrases in the music industry that i've never subscribed to but one of them (laughs) among songwriters is don't bore us get to the chorus Oh, Jesus. I always, I always I've never heard like, that, but that's awful. And that's like, okay, well, I don't know. Really? I'm just, like, <laughs> I mean, and that's fine. Like, it's fine for a 10 year old. And that's great. Like, <laughs> but I mean, you're treating I, everybody like they're 10 year olds. Just write a better verse. Than right? Yeah. Because yeah. you listen to some old, like, you listen to some, I don't know, some songs from further back, like Tom Petty or, or you know, somebody who has great courses. There's usually mm-hmm. like, they'll do that verse and then they'll do another verse. And then get to the chorus, um, and they make you wait a little bit for it. Um, I think, uh, and I've heard that "Don't bore us, get to the chorus" a couple times. And some of my friends have said it. And if you're listening, you know who you are. But then, like everybody's <laughs> um, singing the verses it, with those songs too. Yeah, so it's yeah. Like, oh, Tom yeah. Betty songs. Yeah, I'll sing the whole song. Yeah, Jim Croce. I'm going to sing the whole song. If you're boring us with the verse, you need to write a better verse. Yeah. 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 Um, but the idea was cut to the chase, make it efficient, you know, like, okay. like, like, come on, I, I don't have all day tapping, you know, I'm, I'm, if you're listening, I'm, I'm tapping my fake watch on my wrist going, come on, let's get to it, man. And I think we're sort of, um, with, with the way Spotify is set up and, and I think we're sort of encouraging that among young listeners, you know, I don't think people listen to full albums anymore as much. I, you know, I don't even, and I've got, well, Instagram is encouraging it too. You know, I mean, just the, the, the immediacy of everything. Right. Gratification. I don't like, I've had plenty of people like y'all's age ask me, Oh, what band do you listen to? What, what albums do you like? It's like, well, I'm kind of all over the place. Right. No, I'm not just. No, and you're just a product of your age, really. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's not, it's not like you chose to be that way. Right. And but, I do my best not to, not to be someone from another time and just say like, well, you should only listen to vinyl and you should listen to records top to bottom. I don't know what anyone should do, but I can observe the consequences of some things that we've chosen mm-hmm. to do as, as a, society or as listeners or as the general public and i feel like being able to scroll through music and switch through songs really quickly um or make playlists um 
anything other than putting the needle down and letting it play all the way through because mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's kind of a pain in the butt to lift it and move it to the next song. Yeah, <laughs> no, it forces you. Um, yeah, it, I, I think that's what's um, created this impatience among the general public about um, music consumption. And that's why there are more flash in the pans now than there ever were before. Like bands that get popular aren't popular the next year. Mm-hmm. And why you hear more as every year goes on, it seems like you hear more often like, oh, that's so last year. Like, do you think like that, no one ever says that about bands from like the 60s No, the, 70s, the Beatles and like, Rolling Stones are it's like what the Beatles mean? and the Rolling Stones. It's, I mean, it's, it's not like, I, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead listening to the Rolling Stones. That was last year. It's like that, <laughs> like no one ever no, but had that thought in mind. And now with like, you know, any like super hot or cool playlist, like what Pitchfork was years ago, um, they aren't going to put the same artists on just because they want to seem as cutting edge as possible. And if you want to be as cutting edge as possible, you have to know what's secret albums coming out tomorrow. And so you're automatically just getting rid of all this great stuff from last year that, that or artists that could possibly be bring something great to the table because you're so eager for the next big thing. And, and I may be off base, who knows, but no, no, that, that no, seems I, to be the case. Well, it's something that I noticed. I'm not complaining either, to be clear. Yeah. I, no, I just, just analyze, analyze. It's yeah. seriously it's just, just an observation. I was yeah. like, I'll, I'll find a way to navigate that. And if I have to put out singles from here on out, well, great. I'll well, do that. so I, I can relate to this in terms of like the, the, the thing I am in is movies. Right. And so for the most part, it's like, I was listening to this screenwriter talk the other day and, and he wrote, um, the Hurt Locker, if you remember that movie and, you know, I'm not a huge war movie guy. I love the deer hunter and I loved apocalypse now. And, and Hurt Locker was a kind of a modern, cool version of that, mm-hmm. but he's written this 10 hour movie according to him. And it's now on Apple and it's just, it, they've cut it up into 10 episodes. And he was talking about, he's like, it's kind of hard because he goes, I didn't, he goes, I'm just had faith. He goes, I just rolled the dice on the idea that, um, there are people out there who will sit and pay attention. Even if I don't do the move, the TV show trope of making you click on the next thing, I'm not ending the episode on a spot where you have to watch the next one. I'm just ending it in a spot where it was kind of the end of the hour. And now we're going on, he is, it's really like a 10 hour movie, you know? And he goes, but I'm competing with the idea that you probably will get up and make a sandwich. You're probably going to maybe cook some eggs. You're going to be talking to somebody in the middle of it. And that's so he's like, but I just had to roll the dice on. I'm still just going to do what I, what I do. You know, I'm not, I can't, I can't plan for that. And I feel like with music or any art form for that matter, you, even this podcast, like, if you don't want to listen to us talk about this shit for three hours, then just don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. But if you do want to listen to it, we're going to probably try to delve in and, and dig into things that, that you would be into. Mm-hmm. So it's almost hyper uh, specific what people can get into now. It's like, right. I like this kind of movie. I like this kind of music. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I don't know. I mean, but for sure, that's true. Is like uh, if I go to Spotify, I can get your album mm-hmm. And it's a question of, do I listen to your top five or do right. I listen to the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And that's... Yeah, because that's I can see that on, on my Spotify. It's a funny snowball effect because 
whatever starts out as your top five and they it ends up being your top five for a long time because people add the numbers to those because mm-hmm. those are the ones they listen to. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the snowball effect. It's like, and then, oh, so you're saying they see, oh, this is the one that's most listened to. So now so I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. Adding to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it Which is totally what I did too. These and then must, I was like, wait, wait, wait. These must be his best. No, they're not his best. They're just the ones that people... <laughs> well, what you, hey, they're, what, they're the most accessible. What would like, be your people, favorite song of yours, oh, uh, yeah, of I, y'all's? I and and no I, don't, I don't mean to pin it down, but give I, me a top five song uh, in your mind. Uh, nothing to Escape. Yeah, I love that song. I, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I said what I wanted to say the way I said it. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it, it uh, didn't leave me wanting. When I hear the lyrics, I'm like, that's what I wanted That's to say. Exactly what I wanted to say. And I kind of like the way I said it. Never made much sense to me 
favorite ones you haven't heard yet okay well that's good that's good yeah that means that you're 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 inspired to do something you know i mean i think that's a that's a huge part and man i hate to go back to my freaking piece of paper but there were some things that i wanted to address (laughs) uh we talked about your inspiration we a bit but i actually what do you what is your so we talked also and this ties into the uh the idea that of hiding behind the music Mm -hmm. And obviously there's music that we could qualify as saying they might be hiding behind the music, but it's still good. You know, do you, do you have any rules? Like, like as an artist, this is one big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Every time I think I figured out a rule, I realize it's not because I see an example of, you know, like as an example in a movie, they always tell you the character has to start here and Mm -hmm. end here and has to be different by the end. But a lot of the movies I like, they're actually not different at all. Sure. It's just, just yeah. one s- slice of life. Yeah. Or editing so, rules about how long. A, ex- exactly. And you look at a Woody Allen movie and it's oh, the yeah. longest shot of all time. Oh, I, like, dude, that, I, wow. I've, I've copied that shot. Yeah. I love that shot. Like there's, there's, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're walking the up Annie the street. Hall. Annie, yeah. Annie Hall. It's the longest you shot ever. the voice first. <laughs> Love and it. they just come walking yeah. up the street and, and he's like, yeah, that's yeah, all right, Max. It's amazing. I totally copied uh, that shot. But, but so I don't, in my mind, I hate rules. How do you feel? I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I have heard so many, one, don't bore us, get to the chorus, kind of yeah. falls into that. And there's a couple of others I've seen posts and like, 
and sometimes from 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 pretty good songwriters i just always wondered why they get so hung up on certain things but it's like there's one rule out there that i've heard over and over again don't write songs about songwriting like yeah they say don't make movies about movie makers or actors okay i guess like i got I mean, but the, the, at the same time, they'll I say, write what you know. Right. Well, no shit. Now, now I got to write a song about it. <laughs> I got, and that's not even necessarily true. You know? Yeah. Like James McMurtry makes up these characters. None of his stuff is autobiographical, it, according to him. Yeah. Um, again, it's an amazing writer. His storytelling is phenomenal. Um, and I mean, I got into art because I hate rules. Yeah. Isn't that why we that's got kind of, Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of a punk rock thing to do. It's not. <laughs> got an art because, you know, school wasn't doing it for me. Um, so, yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Long story short, I don't think there's much more to the story. I do not like rules of any yeah. sort. Yeah. At the same time, I'm, I, I'm sure I have some tacit rules that just- For you. Reveal themselves. Okay. That you can look back on. Like in like retrospectively, you can probably look at my process and say, oh, you have rules that seem to reveal themselves or tendencies. Ten- yeah. You have I tendencies. Say tendencies yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're going to stay that way out of um, my own personal choice. It just means that, okay, I, I guess that I tend not to do this or I tend to do this. Um, maybe I'll find stuff that doesn't work very well for me and I'll be like, well... It's not a rule, but through my experience, maybe I should not do this because it usually ends up in a place that I don't like it to. Mm. I don't have a rule that says don't force a story, but I generally don't let myself force stories because it's never what, what, amounted to anything. What, what, like, what do you mean by force stories? Like when you force a story, what is that? If I'm not inspired yeah. and, and I'm, I'm, You're just, just, you- I'm just starting to kind of grasp at straws. Kind you of know. like what you were, yeah. who was you brought up? He, Keith, yeah, if Keith he picks up like a guitar. If he's not feeling it, he puts it down. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's that's kind of not, funny. And that's, that's awesome. From that interview that I heard him say that, and it, it didn't sound like a rule for him either. It's just like, I know better now. And sometimes a rule is just a manifestation of you knowing better. Yeah. It's like, I know better than to do that. I'm not going to etch it. I'm not going to tattoo it on my arm. Yeah. I'm not saying it works but, for everybody, but this is what you, I know about me. Yeah. <laughs> Through experience. Yeah. And maybe sometimes I'll experiment and try to do it again just to reaffirm the fact that, yeah, I was right. That doesn't work very well. Man, I find... But no hard rules. Mm-hmm. You know? I, yeah. And, and, and it's, yeah, it is... It is it, it's usually the rules that I've come across are just things that I know are just like to my character. It's really not... It, like, like if I'm interested... If I'm interested in something for more than seven days, I might have something that I want to do. Right. But uh, there's a lot of things that I'm just like, oh, I would love to do that. And then fucking, I don't care about it tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I know that's a rule for me. But, but ultimately, it seems like every artist that I've met that kind of does have the longevity to be able to stick around and do something for a long period of time. It's because they have their own set of rules. It's really not for everyone. It's mm-hmm. just what I do, you know, kind right. of thing. And, and getting back to the metric idea, I mean, what are those rules in place for? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you trying to avoid? Failure. Oh, yeah. Like, why are the rules there? Like, is it because you want every album to be equally as good as the one before like even bob dylan who has let's say 20 albums he probably has more or less um are they all as good as his best they're not 
They're definitely not for me, like street legal versus like um, any of his first five records. They're not in the same ballpark for me. And I'm sure even he knows that some are good and some yeah. are bad and some like. Yeah. Um, his voice so, was kind of, I mean, it was like, it's like he hit at a time. Was was he kind of right place, right time? I mean, I love his stuff. I think he's, he's a genius myself. Yeah. But I, I guess. I'm he was different. To the, speaking to the point that he didn't, I don't feel like, certainly it appears that he didn't have any rules about. Um, he wasn't. His, his he album. was not he, chasing a trend because no. he was definitely way different than he, anything and, and, at the time. And, and well, and also from one record to the other. So I'm yeah. getting at he didn't. His rules weren't like never have a band or always have a band. Or <laughs> he did things in so many different ways because I feel like he didn't have that metric in mind. He was like, "What can I do to make sure that every record is just as liked as the one before it, just as successful?" And um, just kind of like homogenizing the whole situation. Be like, I want all Bob Dylan records to be amazing. And I want all of them to be equally liked. So I'm going to make all these rules that make that possible. Um, I don't think he had any of those. He didn't have any rules. He did whatever he wanted. And so yeah. sometimes it stuck, in my opinion. And it seems to be in general, you know, music lovers opinions some were better than others i think bob dylan fans can all agree that some were better than others and they can generally all agree on which ones were the worst ballpark and which ones were the best but um i think you have to ask yourself what are the rules for what what yeah what's, what's, the what's point it there yeah yeah is it because you want to ensure success is it uh like what, what even is success at that point? exactly define that yeah. so why say um don't bore us get to the chorus yeah or else what yeah or like uh don't write songs about songwriting or else what yeah or, well or i else mean you're like i'm gonna be famous it's like, like oh, one of my oh, favorite okay. songs <laughs> like well, ever is the freaking wreck of edmund fitzgerald by gordon lightfoot oh, yeah. and he just and there's no, he doesn't even i don't even know if there is a chorus i think right, he just right. it's just a story yeah. that he sings totally. <laughs> yeah, there's a chorus i guess it's a musical chorus david Bowie wrote a bunch of tunes that don't have you know it's so it, it, it's just, I like, I've never asked that question, but I just kind of dawned on something for myself. It's like, what are, what are those rules for? Yeah. Are they because you're afraid of failure? Like, do you have to set these rules up because like, I'm, I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to not put my best foot forward. So I better set up this paradigm where, you know, I want to minimize the chance of looking like a fool. I want to minimize the chance of uh, not putting my best foot Or you work could put there. rules like, in place to push yourself you could put rules in place to push to do what to i don't know That's just the go for like yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. Like to push the question is to, to do, do what? to do what yeah right. so i guess just be con i guess the the recommendation in that case would be like be conscious of the rules you're setting for yourself or conscious of the end of the end result in of mind. what you're trying to do right. and if it's be happy well then that's an easy one yeah yeah probably don't you have to do probably, much yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, actually don't set any metrics I'm if you're gonna write, do that i'm gonna write a song about whatever i want to write a song about if yeah we're talking about my happiness and i feel like someone like bob dylan was most um interested in his happiness what influence and like, where did it, like, as far as your, well, by my dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hugely, by your dad. Yeah. Good and bad. Um, how I was affected 
by my dad changes as time goes on. Okay. Well, that sounds like there's some baggage with it. Yeah. It's just, you know. What do you mean? Well, I mean, everything is, is subject to how you perceive it. I don't think there's anything in, in the world that is... You can choose to look at it good or you can choose to look at it as a bad thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think there's necessarily a God's eye reality or this is the way things are and then there's all the way you guys see it. I yeah. think actually the way we see it is actually how the it is. The way it is. But how it is is subject to change, um, which is kind Perception of Perception like, is reality. Exactly, which yeah. gives some people a little bit... That's a little too like not concrete for people... Some people are like, mm, I prefer. I don't, like to, that. I don't like that. Well, yeah, we were talking earlier about I prefer people things. aren't comfortable with gray. Right. They like black or white. They're fine with one or the other, but we need to know. Right. <laughs> so at a certain point, um, I emulated my dad note for note, you know, to use, you know, words that relate to. And he was a songwriter, music. musician, professor. Yeah. Okay. Poet. Poet. Um, and. Just the way he navigated life made sense to me at, at, as a kid. And then as I got older, and I think everyone sees, I mean, if you're doing it right, um, each generation is better than the last. Uh, yeah, you know, I agree with that. You said, even yeah. in a tribe. Yeah. I, mean, you, you want, I, I want my girls to grow up and be better than me. And I'll take their criticism when they're when they have their own family and be like, you know, Dad, you never you you really made me feel a little ashamed of this, you know, at this age. And I was like, Yeah, don't do that to your kid. Right. Like, I'm not I hope to not be the kind of dad that's like, what? I was a great father, you know, don't don't tell me that. I aspire to to, to take my lumps and be like, Okay, good. Well, learn from that and don't repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that my father did you know not not, not specifically but the way he navigated situations that I don't want to repeat do you have an example or is it too much Uh, to ask it's 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 a lot of it is general um and I don't think the examples are pertinent to the message okay um because it doesn't really matter yeah 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 uh but it's important to acknowledge your parents in their faults and in their, um, in, in the, in the, in their successes and those change over time. Um, the biggest lesson that I've learned is that you got to be careful on how you judge anybody because everyone is a result of their context. My dad is a result of his conditions and he grew up in a really poor family, like dirt floor poor, picked cotton poor, um, no indoor plumbing poor. Um, And he ended up being a college professor, um, which speaks to a lot of different things. Um, The idea that people shouldn't use their circumstances as an excuse. Yeah. At the same time, some people are built with a little more resilience to that kind of thing. So they don't give in to like, turning into alcoholics or something because their parents were a certain way. Mm -hmm. Some people are a lot more fragile um, and they fold us. You know, they just weren't built to handle that. So they end up doing some, you know, drastically unhealthy things with their lives. But that's neither here nor there. My point is that I've learned not to 
judge, um, I guess my father, cause we're speaking about how our fathers, yeah. I give him, I give him slack. I give him all the slack in the world. I don't, there was a time in, as a younger man that, uh, cause we, butt hit, we, we would butt heads a lot. Um, it, it seems like, so when I asked you know, this question, I didn't know, it seems like, uh, there's been a lot of tension. Not, you know, here's the thing, but, not necessarily. Okay. We get along great. Anyone hearing this would assume from my pauses yeah, and yeah. change in demeanor that the reason why there are pauses is because I'm being thought, I'm trying to be thoughtful about okay, it. Okay, okay. I like that, yeah. And I'm not trying to hide anything negative. Yeah. I'm just, um, it's something that has occupied my my mind. I've thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So because of that, when it's when it's brought up, I don't have the easy like, oh yeah, my dad did this and I did this. There's it's how to summarize. Yeah, no, there's well, no way to summarize. Yeah, exactly. But it also from there, it leads to all these other beliefs I have about not judging people because you're you know, in general, I mean, you're not born a sex trafficker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just somehow not. got there. Yeah, but yeah, and you could have easily had gotten there as well, given the same circumstances. Right. No, you know, no. It's man. really weird when someone says, "No matter what, I would have not been a sex I would trafficker." Never, ever. It's like you, you, you know what's funny, <laughs> man? No one. How can you even think that you can know that? Yeah, that's unknowable. Yeah, you know. Uh, so, so, and I, God dang it, I, I feel this terrible. Is hard tangent. No, yeah, hard tangent, but I love it. I love well, it. Sorry, short. I love my dad. He inspired the song Crow. That was okay. one of my okay. favorites. All right. It's by a poem that he wrote called Crow. Uh, and this is one of the stories I tell. Um, uh, I pretty much stole the title from him and the sentiment. It's from a poem he wrote. Yeah, it's a wonderful poem. And uh, aside from the nuances here and there, um, he has certainly inspired me to be both artistic and practical. He's navigated that beautifully. What's he, practical to you? Well, to me, it's, a, it's also different than how my dad sees it, but my dad has always um, thought that money was important enough to pay attention to. I think you know, everybody probably should think that. <laughs> he, he, he was worried that I was like such the artist type that I was like- That the, you didn't know- That the, the wandering vagabond artist type, you know, and he worried about that a little bit. Um, I experienced that with my own dad too. Yeah, yeah. and I'm definitely less yeah. materialistic than my dad is, so I could see him being a little fearful about it. Um, yeah. But I just have a different view. Uh, what do I think practicality is? Mm-hmm. I think that's also a sliding scale. I think uh, people seem to think that practical just means one thing and everyone has to subscribe to that. Well, and practical in my mind would just be like, well, that's what makes sense. Well, but what makes to sense to who? Exactly. <laughs> I think practically, I think practical things as far as how you should live your life or things you should do, um, navigating being alive is hugely dependent on your comf- comfort level with doing without like practical things seem to be designed to make sure that you're okay right so if you need a big house and a couple of cars and uh your kids to go to expensive colleges to be okay then practically speaking you should save this much money and get a job that can afford you those comforts if you're the kind of person that would be happy living in um cabin in the woods with the wood burning stove 
then practically speaking, you don't even have to have a job. Yeah, yeah. So see how that practicality yeah, is yeah. like. And a lot of people seem to think that practical practical just means one thing. And that's like, you have to have, you know, you yeah. have to have this, right? Everybody has to have this. Well, it reminds me of that Pulp Fiction scene where... Uh, Jules tells yeah, that's what we call he tells Vince and he, uh, he goes he goes I'm just gonna walk the earth and he goes yeah you're a bum you ain't got a job you ain't got any money to pay for anything that's what we call a bum <laughs> you know so everybody's got their perception of it too right, right, but right. but at the same time you know it is it is kind of true as long as you're not hurting anyone else I th yeah I think if, yeah. if if you're gonna be living in a cabin in the woods. Don't be Ted Kaczynski. Then, well, <laughs> don't, sure. don't be the Unabomber. And, and don't come to my house at, um, begging for money or food. Right. Be like, well, figure out how to get your own. So practically speaking, if you're the kind of person that's hungry, which you are, then you should practically figure out how, how you're going to get to do food. That. <laughs> right. But if practically speaking, you're okay on living on squirrels, then practically speaking, you just need to get what you need to be able to hunt. Squirrels. How does practicality, you know, amount to something in your music? Like whenever you're approaching a song or does it, it doesn't even matter. It does not. It does not even, doesn't even factor in at all. In the, in the, in, in the conception and in, in inception. Yeah, and, where and I the just like, process. like for me, practicality has to factor in a lot with movies. Cause there's times where I'm like, man, I can imagine this awesome scene where I'm out on the water and doing this, but then I'm like, oh shit, that's going to cost a lot of money. So I can't really figure that right. out. How can I conceptually do that same thing, but make it affordable and practical? Well, there's a difference between, uh, conceiving something and executing it yeah yeah so i don't think that there should be any practicality involved in conceiving something think up your wildest dreams and then and if you can't do it then do it do a then do a practical version it. of it but always have that full-blown idea oh that's cool i like, like, I like that it. don't forget yeah. it file it away. i like that i like that's a great idea be like, i want the philharmonic orchestra and i hear <laughs> you know and then put Doing that it away all. somewhere and then when it gets time to record be like well how much money do you have well, i have 600 bucks okay well we're gonna gonna have to do it this way that's really interesting because <laughs> cool. i'm always I, gonna know this version yeah right? yeah when i was filming uh this past weekend i was helping my boss film uh a movie and i remember him mentioning that when he wrote this script they had a scene um that would have taken place on the harbor bridge down in corpus sure and of course that didn't he, happen. He didn't want to sell this script. So he wrote the script first and kind of going off what you said, right. he didn't wrote have it any, he, yeah, he didn't have any limits of what he, him conceiving it. Yeah. yeah. But instead of selling the script to somebody who maybe would do that, he was like, I want to do that, but how can I make it practical? Yeah. So no, I think, that goes I, right off I, I think that. that's huge for people that listen to this podcast because a lot of them are the people that have reached out are usually filmmakers because mm -hmm. I am, but right. they're, what I think that, uh, what I hope that we're trying to do is to show across all genres of art, th this is a huge important topic because there comes a point where you can't afford to, to do some things. Right. And I like even with the, the script tug that we've been, my, my friend mm -hmm. and I have been writing, my co-writer, uh, my, my mother too, she wrote the short uh, story, but... I remember the first version of it. I just, I, I had read this story. Uh, it was a Hollywood story and, and it was a producer sitting there and he goes, ah, where's the script? 
give me the script. And somebody hands him the script and he get, he doesn't even read it. He just got it in his hand and he goes, ah, feels expensive. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of, you know, it's kind of how it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, yeah, practicality so, yeah. makes sense to me whenever execution, you- execution, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do what you can. Afford what right. you can, you know, don't, but then you hear the stories of the Kevin Smiths of the world who will just charge up a credit card and be right. like, I'm rolling the dice. That's, that's but me. That falls into practicality based on his comfort level. Yeah. yeah. Because risk comfort. I mean, how, like how comfortable. If, if, if this doesn't go through, how comfortable are you dealing with those consequences? Obviously, if you weren't, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I suppose sometimes you do things beyond your comfort level and then you regret them um but do you, have you do you have you had any of those experiences mm -hmm. i'm sure you have but like regarding, ones? regarding practicality <laughs> yeah no and no. Uh, amelia who um uh, she'll tell you that I, i'm just not a very practical person that's awesome. My, is my she dad, practical? She is. So that, Lucky that for us. yeah, that's how yeah. my wife is yeah. too. I was just going to say, yeah. Denise. Yeah. yeah. Very level headed, like, hey, yeah. that ain't going to work, man. Right. <laughs> you know? and or I'll be talking big one night and then the next day she goes, hey, by the way, that was cute, but right. that's not going to work. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, it, our dynamic, it, 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 neither of us are, are, are are clearly right or wrong because there there are many times because she's also an, an artist. Well, you probably uh, push her in one way and she pushes you in right. another way. Yeah. So I've known her since she was nineteen, and she went off the path early earlier. She decided to go to school and um, go into the medical field, and now she does what she does. I stuck to music from the very beginning. I, yeah. I, Always knew that's what we've I was had this do. conversation. Hundred percent, no doubt, to you know, the dismay of many people around me, and and sometimes at the cost of certain things when I was younger, but and at the worry of my parents. But I was definitely the hundred percent like, this is what I'm doing. And there are times when I'm what I'm getting to was that there are times when I feel that Amelia has wondered if she did the right thing, and there are times when I wondered if I did the right thing. So I think we both share. Not one of it's not one of us is the artist and the other one is the practical person. I tend to be more on the art side. She tends to be more on the practical side. But in our particular situation, we both share in both of those, you know, ideas. Man, you're saying kind of you're kind of saying everything that sums up the whole of how we even started this podcast. I mean. And, and I guess I didn't catch this coming of the idea of practicality or whatever, but I feel like when you're, you know, trying to do anything in the arts or maybe it's just anything in life and actually anything could be artistic if you're, if you pay enough attention to it, but it's always time versus money. And, and the idea that you committed so young and so early to, I don't give a fuck. I'm doing this. I don't care if it's time versus money. I'm not, there's the, the I'm doing this. Right. The idea that you had that, not a lot of people have that. Cause I certainly, I taught for 15 years, taught, taught school. And, and look, I was not a far, it, it was not a, I love, I love history and I taught history and I don't regret a day of it, but I definitely did it because I wasn't making it 
full go as an actor. And I was trying, I was trying to do both. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to make the money and I wanted to have the time to be. And so, so teaching was like, Oh, you got summers, you got, you know, right. so it was like trying to do two things. Mm -hmm. And the idea that you just said, fuck it, I'm going for it. Mm. I love that. <laughs> I really love that. I respect that a lot. Yeah. I, I I'm glad I, I'm, it's all worked out to yeah. date. Like if, if, uh, you know, the risk of sounding dark if i have an aneurysm right now and, and right and right. that's the end you'd be fine 100 percent, like a hundred percent well you got a lot of good okay. songs behind you too you know, I, <laughs> you know I, I, yeah i think so too yeah. thanks man yeah <laughs> i really feel like and i think had i done anything differently i might not feel that way yeah. I might not feel like I'm okay if I cash in. Like my if chips. you had gone to yeah. work for whatever. Yeah. I don't insert, think, you know, IBM or Apple or and, whatever. And, and for me, the ultimate goal is feeling at any point in time that you can cash in your chips and be cool. Like at any point. Like you name it. Whenever whenever some whenever, you know, you get tapped on the shoulder and it's your time to go and you got to cash in your chips. It's important to me that I feel okay and a hundred percent fulfilled and completely cool with cashing in my chips at, at any second. And, um, that's been the one thing that informed all my decisions as far as big decisions. Am I going to do this? Am I going to be okay with this? Right. Yeah. What kind of job do I want to get? How much money, how much do I need, want to pay in rent? Where do I want to live? Or like, Am I okay with living in my car if I have to? Like all these things were informed by the idea that what's more important than that question is, will I be able to cash in my chips anytime Contentious I want and it. feel totally fulfilled? And I do. And I have for a long time. I, I've, I've never been, as long as I was chasing something that I felt was worthwhile, in my case, it's music. The chase itself makes it okay to cash in your chips at any time because you're doing everything you can. Yeah, the worst feeling is to, to think be. that I'm not doing everything I can. Mm -hmm. You know, this so you're not really succeeding, right? It's about I'm doing everything I can to to succeed, and that's success in itself. I mean, it just is by definition. You're you are doing everything you can possibly do to reach a certain goal makes that um, it makes you successful. In, in that given moment. Well, something I notice about artists is that the thing I love, I think most about artists is that they, they're not just consumers. They take a lot of shit in, but then they produce something and they put it back out into the world somehow, mm -hmm. whether it's through music or whatever. And there are a lot of people, especially, and I, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old fart now, but saying like, there's a lot of people nowadays that <laughs> will just consume. They're just consumers because it's the world set up for you to consume. If you yes. want to, you can be a consumer and that's it. Yeah. And the thing I respect about artists, the reason why we have these talks is, because you're putting something out. When I saw you at the farmer's market that, that day, put that. you're like that. putting something out into the world right. that I can consume. And then I get it, but I could sit there and take it or I could go, damn, that inspires me to make a podcast. Let's get him on, you know, right. kind of thing. And I feed I, that. Yeah. 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 And, and I feel like there's a part of me that does keep score with that. There's a metric there where I'm like, all right, I just watched eight hours of fucking 
something that I like, what am I going to do about it? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. what am I, how am I going to put that back out in the world? Right. It, how will it affect the next thing I do, you know? And likely I, in the, a few ways that you can see and in a few ways that you'll never be able right, to see. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's just like a little sprout of something. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, man, this whole, this, this whole talk has been, uh, incredibly, I thought it would, I kind of thought it would be this way based on, uh, what I saw of you that day. Um, and I guess maybe, you know, maybe now's, I, I could go on all day long, but maybe now's a good time to draw to an end and next time. I, I, I hope there's next time and I hope we can get Amelia too be great. and bring, bring my wife, Denise. Yeah. And cause I know she'll have a lot more practical questions. Yeah. yeah that, that dynamic would be great. We'd, yeah. We'd, we'd and I, and I, uh, I really just appreciate you, man. I really appreciate the songs. I appreciate the wordsmithing and just the, the talk. So I really, this is episode 48 and I hope that, uh, I hope that we'll do another one. I hope so too. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a good, good combo. I hope we so. all were sponging it up today. I mean, I feel, and Absolutely. I hope anybody listening that could get something from that. There's, we, you know, we didn't even get to the politics, but <laughs> 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 all right, signing off.